Sometimes in life we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn. Or so much stress that we are totally anxious. Or so tired that we are totally burnt out. But our current position is not our final destination. No, indeed. There's hope. So whether it's your personal life, your career, your relationship, your business, or your job, we say there's reason to believe again. And we present from Andy's personal development, the breakout room. It's the place for health, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Okay, so this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and we are live on the breakout room studio but i don't have the breakout room background today we are just going to be holistically dealing with andy's personal development and we have a very special and localized base guest today uh his name is troy hadid he's known as an author yoga teacher and social entrepreneur and he says he's committed to authentic and vulnerable introspection sorry surrounding all aspects of the human experience but i'm not going to tell you more about the man he's here live to tell you about himself and his story is what matters we're going to focus on his story and the value he's going to share with us on andy's personal development today so troy hadid welcome how are you sir yeah i'm great andy thanks for having me you know it's um it's a pleasure i really am so interesting i had no clue that you were in trinidad and from trinidad so i was like wow epic you know, such a nice surprise. Yeah, all local grown and home brought up, my friend, right here yeah, in yeah. Trinidad, Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. So, Troy, I have a curiosity question before I get into the information that appears to be so intriguing about you. I have a, a business associate by the name of Luke Hadid. Is he related to you? I, I, if it's Luke Hadid, I'm thinking of, he is, he would be my, his dad would be my first cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that would make him my second cousin. I'm not too I sure. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, in, in my mind, Andy, we all related, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, in, you know, I tell people all the time, even when, even when we talk about things like ancestry. Yeah, yeah important but ancestry just conveniently stops at one point along timeline of history but if we keep going back we discover that we kind of all related and came from the same place yeah. you know yeah yeah i love that philosophy thanks for sharing troy yeah. so troy i want to start with you i think probably you you would remember seven years of age growing up among three brothers in a Catholic home. What was that experience like for you and how did it impact upon who you are today as Troy Hadley? Yeah, you know, 
Andy boy, I can't really, um, I often say I can't remember too much of my childhood. I grew up seven years younger, which in a lot of ways, of course, I looked up to my older brothers and so many, in so many ways. And they had such a massive influence on my life. And um, I see that in a lot of ways, they kind of clear the path. They kind of like just clear the path. So when I came and rocked the boat a little bit, like nobody was really taking me on. It's like, this is number three, came seven years after. We're just kind of going to let them do its thing. Okay. You know? Um, so it, it kind of opened up a space in which I could you know, craft my own path and do things a little bit differently. And I think at no point did I feel, even, even though my family and so on never, didn't always agree with my perspectives and approach, at no point did I feel judged or criticized for it. Okay. Um, growing up in a Catholic home, that aspect, what I could say is I've always felt and can it, continue to feel very close and connected to God in whatever form someone relates that to be. And one of my greatest teachers is this man we know as Jesus and the teachings that, that he brought He brought forth. But from a really young age, I, I can't say I really gelled with the packaging of organized religion. Because to me that even I question it from a really young age because I recognized that to me from, from where I sat, what it did is, is it, it made things really exclusive mm -hmm. to one group of people yeah. rather than being inclusive. Yeah. And my understanding of God and of the teachings of Christ is one that is inclusive yeah. of everyone and everything not exclusive to a certain religion, class, people, whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you see recently just factions that exist. And if you were to follow that trend in terms of the numbers and the different names, it's quite confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah takes you in so many different directions. To the point that you were making about your personal experience and the teachings of Christ, what to you personally is your definition of the divine? I'm putting it that way because I know it's an open term, but to everyone, it means something specific. To you, mm -hmm. what does it mean personally for you? How would you describe your relationship with the divine? Wow, my relationship, or how do I describe the divine? Because that's two different my questions. First, my and, relationship, and then the divine. Yeah, I believe, um, you know, and this could open up hours of conversation, Andy. So I, I invite listeners to to keep it in perspective and in context. Um, I believe that it is impossible to me for God or divinity to be limited to any form or name. Mm -hmm. I believe God and divinity is formless, mm -hmm. nameless, mm -hmm. and I believe it is in everyone and everything. It is in all of creation. Uh -huh. I believe that God is like love. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere that it does not exist. Mm 
Okay. It is everywhere. And I believe that, you know, as, as also a practitioner and teacher of yoga for about 15 years, the very fundamental essence of yoga is that is union. It is that that acknowledgement that we are not as separate as we've been led to believe, that we are not separate at all, that we are all interconnected. And it is that, in my understanding, that God and divinity is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And if we could actually, you know, from the day we're born, Andy, we're told that I am Troy and this is my body. And you're told that your name, you are Andy and that is your body. What if we were never told that? Yeah. What we were, if we were never fed these narratives that we are separate, we are individual and we are different. And I believe that if we could live our lives in a way in which we can actually acknowledge that God lives in the eyes of every human being. It doesn't mean that there'll be no conflict. It doesn't mean there'll be no argument or no difference or no hurt or jealousy or, you know, but it does mean that we would navigate life differently, that we would navigate that conflict differently. We would navigate our differences differently because we would acknowledge that each and every individual is a seed and incarnation of divinity. You know, I feel Troy that we would need probably about two hours. I, I I feel that you're going somewhere that is so deep and so profound, and people need to understand that everyone has a story, everyone has a voice, but somewhere along the line, there's always some some symbiotic interconnection that exists. Yeah, even among eight billion people on the planet, because we are basically from the same source. Yeah, and all these barriers, and we create all these differences, and it does not help us to find our purpose. So, yeah. the next question I'm going to ask you, Troy, is why yoga and the interconnection between yoga and your level of spirituality, your level of spiritual awakening and awareness? How yeah. much did that impact your life as a young man? Um. In a huge way, you know, now I always say when I hear people say huge words like awakening, enlightening, I just want to stress because people can perceive that differently. Yes. That every everyone is awakening. Yeah. Everyone is going through this process of enlightenment. That's what the human experience is. Yeah. Yeah. So I it really raises a red flag for me anytime I interpret or or see someone say refer to my awakening or my moment of enlightenment. Well, if we were awakened and enlightened, we would no longer be in our body, chances are, right? Okay. So it's important to note that this is an ongoing process. But um, for me, yoga had such a massive influence on my life. And, uh, you know, the very, very, very first two teachings of yoga to me are so powerful in and of themselves. The very first teaching says that yoga is now Atta Yoga Nushasanam. In this moment, right now, it's yoga. It's that, it's that realization of union, of, of our interconnectedness, right? The very second teaching that says that yoga is a quieting of the fluctuations of the mind. It goes yoga chitta vritti nirodaha. And in reality, Andy, if you really look at it in the simplest of forms, the mind is what creates separation. 
In mind is what rights and buys into these narratives of Andy and Troy and me and you and they and them. In mind is what worries about can I pay rent next week? Mm. What's happening in my relationship? Will I have a job? It's so hot. Is the world going to implode and explode? In mind is what worries about all of these things, right? Now, I'm not saying that the mind is bad. In mind has its purpose. The ego has its purpose in the human experience. But if we don't have a relationship to it, then everything we do, say, and think, and the way we navigate our lives will unconsciously be driven by that need for self-preservation, desires, wants. And if we really desire to even glimpse what it means to live from a place of love, and to serve something bigger than ourselves, then we have to begin to quiet these fluctuations of the mind and create a relationship to it. So to answer your question, I always tell people that yoga is not about postures. Forget the postures. We do postures, sure, but it's not about postures. The very essence of yoga, the very foundation is cultivating a relationship with breath and mind and in doing that, we deepen our relationship to our understanding of God and we deepen our relationship to each other. Yeah. And that is the very essence of yoga, in my opinion. Yeah. I thank you so much because I am sure that there are some folks who are listening and thinking, wow, there's no longer any ambiguity. No, I get the understanding. You made it simple and you made it clear. And that tells me that within you lies the true essence of that experience. I appreciate that, Troy. What about your writing? How did you decide to become an author? And what was the genre you choose to write in and why? Well, um, well funny enough, when I, it was, I remember way back when, maybe I was 21 or 22 at the time. And um, I always wanted to write always wanted to write, always figured one day I might write a book. I remember I was with my girlfriend at the time and we went to movies and about two weeks later, I put my hand in my pocket and I discovered old popcorn. And I said, popcorn in my pocket, it's gonna be named of my first book. It uh, is no longer, that has changed. That is no longer the name of the book. The book has taken on a journey of its own. But I remember going to university and telling my dad, um, you know, I'm not going to come back and work in the family business. So if you don't want to send me to school, I understand. Like, it's not a big deal. He's yeah. like, no, I'm going to send you to school. I was like, all right, well, I want to study writing and philosophy. And he said, no. He's like, that's not happening. Uh, He's like, I'm going to send you to school, but you're going to do business. So I got a degree in business. And funny enough, um, you know, the heart knows what the heart knows. So yeah. I come back from university and I find my way down this path of yoga and philosophy for the last 20 years, really kind of digging deep into human experience. And on several occasions, I've, I've, I've attempted to write this book and you always going to write. And um, clearly I was never ready. Uh, I, was, I just wasn't ready, it was any time. Okay. And um, I've been writing this book now for about four years and it's evolved in so many ways. And I've been working with some 
really amazing professionals in the literary world locally and abroad. And the name of the book is now My Name is Love. And it comes out on October 1st. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Troy. Yeah. I'm going to poke you a little bit because I feel that there's so much dimension to Troy Hadid. And we have limited time, so I'm, I'm just going to try to get there as much as I possibly can. Would you consider yourself as a child of privilege who decided to make up their own mind and follow their heart and not was a, what was expected of you or the norm, as they say? How would yeah. You yeah, I think um, privilege is a conversation that needs to happen more often, especially in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. But it also needs to be understood. Right. It needs to be understood because I think we have this whole narrative around privilege and privilege and internet, which call talk of the one percent and blah, all this stuff, right? But um in every way I was born into privilege. You know, I've been, I wouldn't say my family, I know your name comes with a lot of stereotype in Trinidad. I wouldn't say my family had exorbitant amounts of money growing up, but I always had what I needed. I was always comfortable. That's one aspect of privilege, right? Yep. Financial privilege. Then of course there's skin color. There's the fact that I'm male. There's the fact that I'm able-bodied. All of these things are aspects of privilege. There's the fact that I'm straight. Right? But you know what, Andy, there's, there's one privilege that I think the most powerful privilege in the world. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, it's talked about often enough. And that is the privilege of knowing what love is, knowing yeah. what it means to be loved yeah. and supported and secure, to grow up in a community where you feel secure and held. And that gives someone an element of confidence that impacts someone's character and who they become, right? And I think um, you can't expect someone to, to love others if they've never experienced what love is. And for so many people, their experience of love is conditional. Yeah. It's circumstantial. It's a do what I want you to do and I love you. But if you don't do what I want you to do, well, I don't love you anymore. Well, is that really love? Yes. Um, and I think that needs to be looked at. And even, even within scope of Trinidad and Tobago, for instance, Andy, it's like we, we, want, we want the mentality of our people and our culture and our leaders to be different, right? We want to see change. We want to see people care about the larger collective. But the majority of the people in Trinidad grew up in a system that never cared for them. It never made them feel safe or secure. It never met their basic needs and desires, right? In their basic essential needs. How much people in Trinidad are growing up and their basic needs and security is not met. How can you expect someone who has never felt that level of security to care about a larger collective? A collective that in their eyes has never cared for them or never made them feel safe and secure. And, um, you know, just to put this into context, I grew up in, in a certain 
I would a bubble of privilege, environmental privilege, right? And what I noticed growing up is coming through my adolescence and growing up as a kid, there was a certain level of shame and guilt around my privilege. Okay. And from a, from a young age, I, there was a huge influence on me as a kid from Rastafarian culture and Raggy culture. And I think that opened me up to a reality outside of my privilege, the outside of my bubble. Yeah. And that exaggerated my sense of guilt, my sense of shame, right? But here's what I recognized, luckily, as I, as I grew into adulthood. As long as I was ashamed of my privilege or felt guilt-stricken about my privilege, it couldn't benefit anyone else but myself. Yeah. But, but, and there were times, Andy, growing up, where I didn't want to tell people my last name. I didn't want to tell people where I grew up. I would say Point Kumana Karanaj. I won't say Goodwood Park. Okay. <laughs> right? Um, because of that guilt and that shame, right? But, but it's so important for us to recognize this is a real thing. Because if we make people feel ashamed of their privilege, then we're not creating an environment in which they can own their privilege. It's important to create a safe space where someone can say, yes, I'm privileged, I was born into privilege. However, the real question is, what are you gonna do with that privilege? Okay. You know, and, it, and for someone to use their privilege to serve a greater collective and even try to dissolve the circumstances that gave them privilege in the first place, mm -hmm. somebody has to be able to feel safe to, to own their privilege. And that's so important for us to recognize because if we're constantly judging people for what they have and judging them for their advantages and which circumstances they were born into, then we're not creating a space in which they feel that they can own that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. And I'm just going to read this because what you're saying is not only instructive, but it is so relevant to the reality of our culture and our people. You said reggae culture and Rastafarian influences had a huge impact on your youth and exposed you to reality outside of privilege and instilled within you a sense of responsibility to make a difference in the world. Yeah. Would you currently now describe that difference? Because I think you have found it. And do you feel you're doing enough to create that sense of awareness of the difference you realize that you can make in the world? Well, um, you know, that, that to me, Andy, is a trick question in uh -huh. a sense, because I'm doing the best I can okay. at any point in time. I would like to believe that. I think, you know, I've been teaching and traveling internationally, teaching yoga for quite a while. Part of my drive to write this book is to um, reach more people, mm -hmm. people that might not step into a yoga studio or into a meditation cushion, mm -hmm. but still try to influence the perspectives and, and have people consider this, um, this message, in other words, that I would like to convey. 
I believe that am I doing enough? I can, we can always do more. Yeah. We can always do more. But at the same time, we could only in any moment try our best to do what we can in that moment. I do believe that every conversation, every interaction, even in the briefest moment with an absolute stranger, is an opportunity to impact someone's life. Okay. So I believe that, you know, when, when we say, you know, like Chronix has a song about, I think it's called Legend. And it points to the fact that each and every individual, even in the smallest of ways, makes a difference in the world. Every individual is a legend. We don't have to be a Bob Marley. We don't have to be a, you know, all these big icons in media or celebrity to create change in the world. There's an environmentalist called Jane Goodall. Yeah. And if you, if anybody is familiar with um, a lady that works with the apes and the gorillas and so on, she's that lady most of the time. And she said something that, that to me is so powerful. She, she implies that asking question, can I change the world? It's the wrong question to ask. Mm-hmm. She implies that we have to ask the question, how am I changing the world? Because everything we do, say, and think changes the world in a very real way. And if we aren't paying attention, we could actually be having a negative impact on the world and a negative impact on people around us. So we need to really just stay in our corner and look at the impact of our actions, our words, and thoughts. First, that's where it has to start. Because that's the real difference we make in the world every day, you know? Yeah. Troy, I want to take this a little deeper because I feel your connection to the vibes and I know it's important to you because there's passion in your voice when you speak about it. How do we help this generation of young people? Wow. Technically, it's called Generation Z. How do we help them? to realize and to recognize and to embrace the true values of life. How do we do that? Um, you know, that's a layered question, Andy. My, one thing I would say has to happen in my eyes is I believe that, now I use the word God loosely, very loosely. And people ask me all the time, well, can I, can I call God by another name? Yeah, nobody can tell you what name you should call God by. I call God by name God for a very specific reason. Do I use other names? Yes, of course, I use all kinds of names. But a point I'm getting at to Andy is I've seen in, in generations, past generations, and even current generation, a disconnect from spirit a disconnect from divinity, a disconnect from God. And I understand why. And even for those of us who connect to and relate to a belief in organized religion and that spiritual journey, that's beautiful. I have no critique on it. I believe every individual has a right to define their own relationship to God. Mm -hmm. And I don't, 
I completely understand why someone may choose not to believe in God. I get it. Because we have all these historically, we have all these organized religions. And let's face it, no one can deny this. There have been immense wrongs that have been done in the name of religion and organized religion. Inhumane acts and deeds. There have also been really beautiful things that have come out of organized religion. Yeah. It goes both ways. So I'm not condemning it, but I understand why someone may choose not to believe in God because of that that trauma that has come through organized religion, right? But with that said, we are born into a world which in so many ways, we are fed so many things that make us different, make mm. us separate, and tell us we must take care of ourselves, our individual needs and desires, our individual families, and that's it. Mm. That should always be our, our priority. And we are fed these narratives, millions of them that make us separate, make us different, even ancestry, even race, even opinions, even ideologies, even religion makes us different. But divinity and God is the one thing that makes us the same. God exists, in my opinion. There's some large intelligence, regardless of what you want to call it, how you want to frame it, or what box you want to put it into. Something exists. And that something is what makes us the same. And um, funny enough, and the, the word spirit uh -huh. comes from the Latin word spiritus. Mm -hmm. And it means to breathe. Yeah. And the breath is the one thing that connects every living being on the planet. Animate and inanimate. The air we breathe is one thing that connects all of creation. Right. You know, um, and I think to answer your question, I think it's important to create an environment in which a new generation, future generations and past generations can reconnect and reestablish their own individual unique relationship to God because I feel like we've moved away from that. And as long as we can reconnect to that, then we'll remember how connected we are and we'll begin to really see our impact on the world around us. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff there, Troy. And I, I know that that is profound because it is a vision that a whole lot of people would probably see, but some or the other, either they don't think they have the right to say it, or they feel that they may be misunderstood, or they're looking for the ideal platform. But at the end of the day, it makes a lot of sense. You were involved in several areas of business, right? You yeah. were running a hemp store. For seven years, you opened a waste cooking oil recycling business, and you sold it. And then years later, you dedicated your life to studying and teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. What was the business experience like for you, Troy? Um, I think even from the very beginning for me, 
I was never driven by profit. Okay. Profit was not something that ever drove me. Uh-huh. It's not about, oh, what's going to make money? What can I sell? Yeah. Um, every venture I've ever stepped into, one, I believe in passionately, mm-hmm. but I also believe it can have a positive impact on the world and the people around us, right? From the very beginning. Um, the very first business I opened was a store called Mystic Hemp, which some people might know, right? It was on Mukrapa Road, it was in Arpita Avenue, and I was a massive advocate for cannabis sativa. This is way back in the day. This is before people were even considering really cannabis as, you know, now you have CBD and THC oil, and now cannabis is used for medicine in mainstream and, and all that stuff. Now, what's also interesting, Andy, is I was never smoke up cannabis. Mm-hmm. I was one of the reasons that I chose from a young age not to partake in the smoking of so- cannabis socially is because from the influence of Reagan Rastarian music, I understood that he was a sacrament. Okay. And I, I saw how it was being used and never really was I in alignment with that. So I decided I was going to take a stand. Even though I loved Rasperian and reggae culture, I was going to take a stand where I did not smoke herb. Okay. You know, and while I may have used on a very rare occasion in my lifetime in a very spiritual, ritualistic setting, I have never been, and to this day, I am not a smoker of cannabis or a user of cannabis. But I understood that cannabis had so much benefits in an environmental aspect, in a medical aspect, in an economical aspect, in an environmental aspect, that it had so much to offer that I decided I was going to open this hemp store and be an advocate for cannabis sativa. And we used to sell clothes that, that were made out of hemp, cosmetics made from hemp paper made from him, or that kind of stuff. And I ran that store probably for, for about seven years. And uh, after that, I then again opened this oil recycling company where I converted my own vehicle to run on waste vegetable oil. Wow. And what that led to was recognizing that there was so much waste cooking oil being poured down the drain in Trinidad. So I started collecting this oil and that ran that business probably for about another six, seven years, where we collected waste cooking oil, recycled it and exported it. We used it biofuel and then sold that company, which then allowed me to dedicate everything I had to building a yoga studio and yoga community where I could really impact um, the mentality of people. The, the spirituality of people, the psychology of people. Yeah. Because one of the things that really landed for me, um, when I when I had Mystic Hemp, hemp so on your recycling businesses, in a lot of ways, I was also myself as trying to be some kind of environmental activist as much as I could be in a very light way, I would say. Um, and I was very much concerned with the environment. And there was this day, Andy, where I tell this story in my book briefly, when I was driving back from the North Coast, 
and I saw someone toss a box of KFC out the window. And my, my immediate reaction was rage. How could someone do that into this forested area, just randomly toss the box of KFC out the window? And then I had a moment when I wrecked so much landed for me in that moment. This person probably had never had someone to show them the value of the environment and consider their impact on it, one. Two, this individual probably had never had or still doesn't have the basic needs of survival and security met. So how can I ask someone to care about their impact on the collective when they never felt that the collective cared for them? And more so, now all of this was a massive generalization, of course, but also I realized that we, we live in a world where people are struggling to survive every day, barely struggling to make ends meet. We have people in our society not knowing if they're going to live till tomorrow or next week or next month. And we come in to try to get them to, to curb their impact on the environment for the next generation or two generations. Like there are so many people in our world who just can't see that far because they don't feel safe. They've never felt safe. They've never felt they're part of something bigger. So how can you ask them to, to inconvenience their immediate experience for something bigger? And I think that's when I realized, Andy, that not, not to take away from, from environmental work at all, but I realized that the work I wanted to do was to impact the psychology of people, the spirituality of people, the mentality of people. And I think that's what really gave me a push to, um, to dive into practices like yoga, which can really change someone and shift their perspective from the inside out. Yeah, amazing stuff there, Troy. Thanks a lot for sharing. What is the future? look like for Troy Hadi. What is your vision for you going forward? The thing that drives you the most? Um, again, such a big question, Andy. I have the book coming out in October. Uh -huh. And of course, I would love to see that book and I'm doing everything in my power to see that book be a massive success, not just locally, but internationally, right? I would love to be able to be in a position where I can take every opportunity that comes my way to speak to people, to reach people, to influence people, and to do everything in my power to make the world a more positive, better place, you know, to, to allow us all to remember what it means to love, mm. to reconnect people to their understanding of spirit or God. And those are things that um, that I think social culture has moved away from and we need to really get back to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so whether that be writing books or teaching yoga or public speaking at events or random interactions with a stranger on the, on the side of the street, um, that's what I hope um, my life would bring to the world. 
Do you, do you get the opportunity to do some public speaking and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I've spoken in last year. I've done a lot of corporate speaking, um, which has been really phenomenal. I was kind of just thrown into that arena. Now, to me also, every time I step into a class to teach yoga, it's like public speaking. Okay. Because for me, I'm not just teaching yoga postures, but within those postures, I'm delivering reflections and philosophies. And I'm really trying to influence somebody in that space, you know. But I have been embracing the realm of public speaking. Um, and of course, this is like public speaking, right? It is. It is. So I've been doing a lot of podcasting and interviews and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, great. What is your pet peeve, Troy? What is the thing that you have a lot of angst about, basically? What do you mean in that way? Like anxiety about? No, no, no. You know, there are some things that just grind you. you for example, you spoke about the individual. You're coming yeah. back from the North Coast. The individual throws that KFC box out the window and you're like, Ugh. yeah. That's your first reaction. But there are yeah. some things about this world that just irks us. <laughs> yeah. You we know what? You know what, Andy? I would say in um, in recent years, my journey has had showed has showed me such a different perspective. Naturally, I am human, yeah. so there are times when I just want to like scream or be like or shout or curse or react. Mm -hmm. But here's the reality: every individual, every human on the entire planet, is simply a package of conditioning. Our actions, our words, our thoughts, our perspectives have all come through conditioning. If someone doesn't love others, it's because they've never been loved. If someone doesn't, isn't compassionate or forgiving, it's because they have gone through experiences in their families or their communities where they have never been taught what forgiveness is. Or they've never been, they've, they, we've all been molded in a specific way. Every single thing that any individual thinks or identifies with is a reality. It's not them. These things that are coming through me, I didn't make them up. These are, I didn't come up with these ideas. These have all been molded through my experiences of life, right? Or that have come through me. And every individual is a product of their conditioning no matter how disconnected their actions, their words, or their thoughts are, even if those actions, words, and thoughts are causing others immense pain and suffering, I am not justifying those actions, words, and thoughts. But it has been a matter of conditioning. So when you ask that question, Andy, my answer has to be this. It saddens me that we grew up in a world in which we are led to believe that we are separate and we are different. A world in which there are people in our world whose basic necessities and needs are not being met. And there are people in our world that do not know, forget, forget money and luxury. And there are people in our world that do not know what it means to be loved, to be secure, 
and to feel that they are part of something bigger. That saddens me. Yeah. Wow. But I, I do think, I do believe, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that look at the future of our world and think that it's heavy and that there's no hope. Well, I don't have hope, but I have faith. I have absolute faith um, that we are gonna find a way. Yeah. That we as a as an incarnation of divinity, we as human species, that we are gonna find a way. And if we have to find a way through immense suffering and pain, then that's gonna come. It one it one surety, one security and certainty of life is death. Yeah. Right. So if we have to move through that to find a way as a as a collective consciousness, then so be it. But I have no doubt that we will find a way. Yeah. I, I love the I love the optimistic mode, note that you just uh, ended upon there, Troy. And I really appreciate that. You you said something that resonated with me, and it's it's that we are all products of some level of conditioning yeah because originality seems to have lost its way and we are all just kind of repeating things that have been fed into our system our, our lives our culture whatever area of belief that we have subjected ourselves to or allowed ourselves to be influenced by yeah and i understand that so there's a term that has been toted around recently that's called imposter syndrome. And some people say there's a good part of it. Some people say there's a not so good part of it. Some people are saying it's the worst thing that we could ever confront or come to deal with. How does that imposter syndrome scenario align with what you just described with regards to us mainly being products of some level of conditioning? Um. I understand what we, you know, we throw around a lot of terms, Andy, and we throw around and use a lot of terms that we don't quite understand. Somebody uses a term on mainstream media and all of a sudden it goes viral and everybody's using it, but nobody really understands what it means. <laughs> and imposter syndrome to me, like, I really question it big time because, because it's like, I once heard someone say, you don't have to have achieved perfection to speak of perfection, ah. right? So for, for anyone that in any way is doubting what they're doing and, and being overcome or questioned by this thing or moving through this thing called imposter syndrome, I would just invite someone to look at your intentions. Mm. As long as your intentions are pure, then there's no imposter syndrome. Then there's no imposter syndrome. It is simply part of your journey and it's part of your evolution. And if part of your journey means you have to imagine you're something you're not, fail and fall on your face so you could get back up and understand what it means to really embody that, great, that's part of your journey. But I cannot, tell anyone else they're an imposter. That's not my place. That's not my place. 
what what I might do is invite someone to look at different aspects of the what they're doing and see where they might be able to do better. And for myself, when I experience my own moments of imposter syndrome, who am I to write a book and publish a book and expect it to go internationally, be an international bestseller? Who am I to do that? Well, here's, what, here's the narrative. I feel that for a moment because it happens with regard. We, I think we all experience that doubt, right? But, but here's this thing I love, Andy, is I have this narrative that goes on in my head when I experience any kind of moment of doubt or wanting to remove myself from the world. It's like, it goes like this. With all I've been given and with all I've been blessed with and with all the amazing experiences I have had, how dare I not at least try? How dare I allow what other people might think of me to allow me to dim my light or what I potentially have to offer a world? Yeah. You know, we, we have this, this whole concept of ego, right? And people love that. One of those words people love to throw around all the time. Ego, 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 ego. Well, ego is anything that allows me to believe that I am an individual. That Troy is actually Troy and Andy is Andy. Anything that makes me an individual, I, is ego. So if I allow myself to be concerned with or, or dimmed, my light to be dimmed, because I am concerned of what others might think of how I show up. Even if I think that others might see me as egotistical, that mere consideration is egotistical. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing, Troy. Now, there is something so simple about life that, and, and I, I believe Two days ago, I would probably have a conversation with someone and I was saying to them, you know, at the end of the day, whenever I meet someone for the first time, I give them 100%. And they were like, so what do you mean by that, Andy? I said, well, simple. No judgment, <laughs> no assessment, no preconditioned mindset. I just give them an open slate. And if points are going to be minus from your 100%. It's not because of me, what I think or what I say, or what I perceive or what I hear or think I hear or what I feel emotionally. It will be because of them doing a disservice to themselves. And so I say that to say this, I follow you and I understand your concept, your philosophy. But I think that people have to understand how valuable it is to just know who you truly are accept that, embrace it, and just be proud to share that with the world. Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, now I can leave you with one more thing, Andy. Yeah. Because I know our time is running short. Sure, yeah. And I know a lot of people, um, a lot of people, I completely love that you give everyone 100%, right? And 
when when somebody die, if somebody dies or says something that might be out of alignment, right? Then maybe in theory we might start to remove a percent or remove a stripe or whatever. Yes. Some some I don't personally believe that, but I understand that some people may 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 connect to that approach, yeah. right? But again, it comes back to this. Everyone is a product of their conditioning, right? It comes back to that. So anything that anyone does at any point in time is because that's all they knew how to do. If they knew how to do better and had the tools to do better, they would have. Yeah. They would have. And that is a privilege. Yeah. Knowing how to do better and having tools to do better is a privilege. But get this, if you want to help, if you want to influence someone's conditioning, if you want to help shift someone's perspective and their approach to life, the fastest way not to do that is to judge them. Yeah. And the quickest way to help them reprogram or recondition is to help them feel safe, secure, and loved. Yeah, thumbs up. So we have been in the presence of Troy Hadid, author, yoga teacher, and social entrepreneur. And he's been sharing some wonderful philosophical values about life from his perspective, and also from the things that he would have learned throughout his adult life and even his teen life as well. I wanna, I wanna leave our viewers and our listeners with one particular quote that stays with me a lot. It's from the late great Mahatma Gandhi. And maybe you can align yourself with this. She says, it is in giving of ourselves in service that we discover our true self. And the first time I heard that, Troy, I, I couldn't, it, it, it just didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And, and as I, I went along, I became a member of the Lions Clubs, Lions Clubs International. Yeah. The orientation into that organization, when, when it came up in that environment, and I aligned my mind with, the, the, the mere fact that we are all here to just be of some form of service to each other, because that's the greatest investment that the creator yeah. the universe has made in us. Yeah. When it hit me, I realized how powerful that statement was. And so folks, I think that what Troy is saying is that we have to understand that we all have a purpose here. There's a reason for us being here, no matter how insignificant our lives may seem to be. The mere fact that you got up this morning, you had a pulse <laughs> and you can breathe, it means there's purpose. There's something still for you to accomplish here in this life. So remember the three washwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. And don't get me wrong with prosperity. I'm not talking about the tangible things of life, the byproducts of what some people term to be success, the bling and... No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about what the scripture requires in terms of prosperity. And what it really says is that be the kind of individual that gives value of yourself 
to life as it is every single day. Don't expect anything in return, but just sow those seeds of love, hope, and security. And I think that's Troy's mantra. He can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So until next time, I would like to ask Troy if he has any last words he'd like to say. And we can move on with concluding this program. Troy? Well, I'll just say um, if anyone, I know I'm assuming a lot of your audience is in Trinidad. I would, yes. like to, I would tell people it's that... Not uh, really, but... Yeah, both. Yeah. Wicked. Well, yeah. there's... Um, my book is coming out. It's called My Name is Love. We're not all that different. It comes out on October 1st on ebook, and then it'll be on Amazon October 15th. It'll also be available in Trinidad everywhere. So check it out. And if they want to find me, they can find me at troyhadid.com. I'm on Instagram as Troy Hadid. And um, our yoga studio is in Port of Spain, Trinidad. For anybody that wants to try to dive into practice, it's called Beyond Yoga. You can find us at beyondyogatv.com. And I would just leave people with the one most powerful word in the world that I would always close any conversation or interaction with, and that is love. Yeah. Thank you so much, Troy, for sharing. And, and we feel your love. I feel your love. And I understand your desire and your philosophy and your beliefs. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, along with our guest, Troy Hadid, saying thank you. Love. Be on to you, my people. Shalom. Godspeed. God bless. Namaste. Namaste. Bye for now.